Oh, it's a football Monday here on Birds 365. All Eagles all the time here on the Jacob Sports Media Channel. You got the Mega Mac guys with you for another week. Yes, they decided to bring us back for another week. Glad to be here. Jody McDonald, along with my partner, the man who went back to work this week. Not that he hasn't been working here with me every single morning, but actually going down to the Novacare Complex to cover the Philadelphia Eagles. John McMullen from Sports Illustrated, phillyvoice.com. Jay Mack, how is it like going back to work? Uh, it was uh, it was more exciting than usual, Jody, for obvious reasons. The fact that you've been a shut-in for so long, not you, everybody. Uh, well, me too, specifically. Yes. Yeah, everybody. So, you know, it's like a first day of school kind of vibe. And I got that feeling from Nick Sirianni as well. But we knew that. He's an emotional, excitable guy. So uh, it was fun to get down there, get out. It was a nice day. Um, you know, 26 rookies, first-year players, tryout players, not a lot. Obviously, no veterans, as we talked about last week. Got to see Devontae Smith for the first time. Uh, so, you know, Landon Dickerson. By the way, physically – Exactly as you imagine. Uh, Devontae Smith, the skinniest legs in the world. I got a good story from G. Cobb that I'll tell you a little bit later. Landon Dickerson, on the other hand, a monster. A monster. Big so, boy. Yeah, yeah big boy. <laughs> uh, on the Devontae uh, Smith skinny legs thing, uh, another guy who always jumped out at me is Man, how does he play in this league with these big guys with these skinny legs? It was a guy by the name of Kevin Durant, who's still doing it yeah. on the NBA Well, he's level. the original Slim Reaper. Yes. Kevin Durant is the original Slim Reaper in the NBA. That's where the Slim Reaper nickname came from. Uh, understood. Uh, he's done okay, that Durant guy. He's, yes, he he's actually, the teams that he's been on have done okay despite his slim size. Uh, hopefully, Devonta Smith does the exact same for the Eagles. Uh, yeah, uh, did you know that Dickerson was actually going to go through drills? I, you can't really say he practiced. I don't know if you can say any of them actually practiced. It was all running some drills, but uh, yeah. I thought there was a good chance he'd just be standing <clears throat> on the sideline. So I take that as a very good omen that he got some individual work in. Yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad. It doesn't surprise me because remember in the background of, I think it was a Mac Jones interview, he's doing those cartwheels. So, you know, he's he's feeling pretty good. All he's doing out there, he's got a helmet, he's stretching. You know, he's not doing actual football work. Um, and, you know, we had Dr. Jessica Flynn on a couple of weeks ago, Jody. Look, it's not about how he feels. Uh, you know, this is a 6'6", 330-pound guy. You need to let the graft heal, as she explained. That's what it's about. It's not about, you know, he's, he feels fine right now. He can move around. He could live his life as a normal human being if he wasn't a professional athlete. Well, you don't want to push that envelope, and I don't think the Eagles are going to push that envelope. You, Yeah, they'll let him out there. They'll let him stretch, and they'll let him feel a part of the team, but they're going to be very, very cautious, and they should be very, very cautious because they should have learned their lesson with Brandon Brooks. Big guys like that, Brandon came back so quickly from the Achilles, his first Achilles tear. I'm not saying that's the reason he tore the other one. I don't think anybody knows, but I don't think it helps. I'll tell you that. When you push it like that, that's such a big guy, you need to let things heal, and that's what Dr. Flynn said. 
the first of many unfair questions I'll ask my partner today, tomorrow, the next day, whatever. Um, no, you don't know any more than me. You're not a doctor, but you're an uh, observant Eagles reporter. You think he's going to start the year on PUP or IR, or do you think they'll actually get him into uniform game number one? Is he going to play it all in the preseason? I know you don't really know these uh, answers, but uh, I'm going to ask you to speculate as best you can. I don't what? think they'll need to put him on Pup. Pup is uh, six games. So, you know, if you think about it, his surgery was, was it late? Was it late December, early January? So, you know, the season is pushed back a week. It starts, I think, the second Sunday in September. So you're talking right about nine months. So I, I think they can afford to carry him on the roster. Maybe he doesn't play for a couple of weeks. But I think you're quickly into that safe 10-month category. So I don't think they'll need to, to, to put him on pup to start the season. But, but we'll see. If they he, want to be extra cautious, they might do it. He was certainly a rookie that I just wanted to get a feel for first time in an Eagle jersey. The number one, of course, was Devonta Smith because he was the first-round draft pick. Uh, and I saw quotes from Nick Sirianni. You probably got them that uh, despite the fact that he may be a little thin, that Devonta Smith is maybe even deceivingly long. He that is. he's got a good, long catch radi radius to him. We know that he catches everything that comes his way, evidenced by his production at Alabama, specifically this past year when he won the Heisman Trophy. Um, but seeing him out there on the football field does give you another perspective you got to see it up close and personal he is uh the kind of guy who you think can go up and make plays and uh get catches well above his head because he's got those good hands and some pretty long arms yeah he's he's like a character out of greek mythology jody he's got this weird uh you know you generally you don't talk about small people having long arms or you know it, it, you just don't see it that often and he's got this huge wingspan this huge catching radius. And then, you know, you come down to the lower half of his body, and that's what Gary Cobb said. Man, that dude's got to get some sweatpants to cover up those, those legs. Uh, it's like on toothpicks. So it is a little bit of, of, of weird kind of just looking at him when you're used to looking at NFL players. But, yeah, he's he's got really long arms, and it, it's kind of striking. Because you see, like, you know, they had a six-four kid there in Trevon Crimes, Trevon Grimes, who's an undrafted rookie out of Florida, uh, playing wide receiver. They also had a kid from Texas A&M, Jamon Osbon, who's six foot two, and he looks every bit as long as those guys when he's catching the football. Uh, obviously, he's not, but it's because of those long arms. Uh, so it's an interesting dichotomy. And he's so quick out of his breaks. That's the thing that jumps out at him. And, and, you know, he's not going 100%. Maybe he's going 50%. And he just explodes out of breaks. So that's the exciting part. And you did get a little bit of a taste of it. You didn't get enough of it. I know you guys had limited time with the team. And, yes, it was only drills. There wasn't really chance to analyze a whole heck of a lot. But – this was the first practice ever in the Nick Sirianni era. And uh, we talk all the time, a word that I think has become slightly overused, the culture of a football team. 
it's a new culture because it has to be because it's a new head coach, new coaching staff and the like. Anything that kind of caught your attention that may have grabbed your uh, eye that, well, this is different than Eagles used to do and this isn't the way they used to do it and this is going to be new. Something about the way they went about their business that may have uh, signaled something to you that the culture has to change with this football team? Um, I don't know about culture, but they spent a lot more time at the beginning of practice stretching. Uh, you know, they've had a lot of issues with soft tissue injuries. Now, I've been honest about that. I think it has more to do with an old aging roster than necessarily something they were doing wrong. But they did actively spend a lot of time uh, getting these players ready. Could have been just because this is the first practice. They haven't been doing a lot. That could have been it, too. So we'll have to keep an eye on that moving forward. But I did find that part interesting. Remember, Ted Rath is – yeah, you know, he 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 was here last year with Doug Peterson. He's here this year with Nick Sirianni. He's in charge of that stuff. Uh, he's in charge of the athletic training staff. So, um, you know, maybe it's a conscious effort. Maybe it isn't, but I did find it interesting. And then the second part, I, I did spend a lot of time looking at Nick Sirianni because that's what I was most interested in because you can't learn that much about the players in that type of environment. So, he did, you know, look like a CEO coach. He he was walking all over the place. You'd think about – I was talking about Sean McVay. You know, Sean McVay is the guy in this league. Everybody wants the next Sean McVay from the, off, the bright offensive mind to the young guy who captures the imagination. It's a little bit of a template with Nick Sirianni. But, you know, when Sean McVay got the job with the Rams – if you watch that first year, Jody, he didn't even pay attention when the defense was on the field. He would go sit with the quarterback on the bench and let Wade Phillips do his job. I I found it interesting that Nick was walking all around. He, he walked to, obviously, all the offensive players, but all the defensive groups as well. Um, and that was a bit of a shift because that's usually what a CEO CEO coach does. Nick Sirianni, though, is going to call plays. I don't I don't know if he can be a CEO coach. And, oh, by the way, not that it uh, can be judged by one practice or anything like this. That's what I prefer. I, I think I'd like it, too. Yeah. Teams that do that differenti- differentiation thing between an offensive head coach who sticks to the offense. I guess there were a couple of them, not that they worked, Matt Patricia, uh, in the NFL where you got a head coach who's just solely dedicated to the defense and he hires his offense coordinator and leaves it all in his hands. When you're the head coach, I believe that's your job, that you have to be overseeing both sides of the ball, if not equally damn close to it, a little bit more difficult when you're actually going to play call the plays on offense, as you noted, John. But I still think it can be done. And if that's the case, the way he handled his first practice, I think that's a good thing. Not saying that their D.C. can't run it by himself. Shoot, we know Doug did that. He turned it over to Schwartz and just let him go. And Doug kept his eye on the ball on offense. I'd rather have a coach that is pretty damn dedicated to both sides of the ball. But remember, Jody, I I brought up Wade Phillips. Well, Wade had been around for a million years. He'd been a head coach with four teams. You bring up Jim Swartz, he had 20 years of experience, uh, you know, when he came in here. It was, you know, basically 
the head coach of the defensive side of the football. Jonathan Gannon was an assistant position coach three years ago. I mean, he's been a position coach for three years. He doesn't have that kind of experience, so I agree with you. I, I will bring up something Tom Coughlin told me once in the day because I've always thought it was counterintuitive. I always thought NFL teams should should hire a coach who's a CEO coach, and then maybe when you get your feet underneath you, you can start calling plays whichever side of the ball you, you prefer. If you're an offensive-minded guy, defensive-minded guy. I asked Tom Coughlin, why? Because Tom at one point was a CEO coach. I, I said, why do young coaches are all gung-ho about coaching plays? I would think they're the ones who would need to sit and learn a little bit and then maybe take a, a bigger hand on game day. And he said it's the exact opposite. What you're trying to do as a, as a first-year head coach is set that culture, set the tone, make sure everybody's moving in the direction you want to go in. And that generally starts on your side of the football. And then as you get older, that's when you see the CEO coaches come out. Kaufman was one of them. You know, Bill Belichick is obviously one of them. Pete Carroll. There's very few of them, Jody. Very few CEO coaches in this league. The, the and I, I agree with you. that, But the names you mentioned, they're all really good coaches. Uh, correct. And uh, I don't think Tom Coughlin would admit to this. I don't think any coach would admit to this. When you're a first-year coach and you're trying to establish your team, your position, your culture, it, one of the reasons why I don't think they pass that responsibility on to someone else is, yeah, if it goes real good, then we can't swap it out. If I really believe I'm the best at calling plays and I'm going to want to do it yeah, two or it's three part years ego. down the road. Part ego as well, yeah. Absolutely. The, yeah. The, the, this is what I do. So if I put someone else in charge of it and it works real well, what kind of an egomaniac am I going to look like and go, oh, by the way, now it's time for me to call the plays. And now it's time for me to take over. No, 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 no. You do it from day one, and then if something comes up that it's not particularly working and you could pass it off to someone else that you think – can upgrade that side of the ball. Yeah, you go ahead and do it. But if you pass off that responsibility to start, you may never get it back. You may yeah. be just that CEO yeah. your entire run as a coach. And most of these guys want the chance to be a major league in charge on one side of the ball. By the way, how about this, Jody? I'm told that Wade Phillips, I had no idea, and I brought up Wade Phillips. He's going to be on the national football show here on Jacob Media later today with Dan Cilia. Didn't even timing. know that. Very yeah, nice. Perfect timing. So I didn't want to throw that out there. But you're right. I mean, there's such an ego thing going with the, especially these younger coaches. I don't want to put Nick Sirianni in that box. Um, he seems to me like he's grounded. You know, he introduced himself to every member of the media that was there. I thought that was a very savvy move to do on his first practice. But, yeah, I mean, these guys – they should understand it's about winning and what's the best way to win. I think it's a CEO coach, but obviously the league doesn't agree with me. Bottom line. Well, I don't know that the league doesn't agree with you, but the individuals that they hire, they've decided, yeah, we're going to let them do what they want to do. And most of them want at least control. Yeah, but they would hire other people. If they didn't agree, that was the way to go. That's true. Uh, but how many, how many people, are you hiring as a CEO coach? 
to start that you know ahead of time that's the role that they want to play. No, you're hiring them because their expertise on one side of the football or the other, and yeah. they're going to bring that to their new team, specifically when they get the big whistle and they're in charge. Their, their first uh, move of delegation is going to be, I take over the offense or I take over the defense. And that's- You know, and the irony of that, and you're right, by the way, but they all say the same thing. They say, if you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. Yet they hire a scheme. They hire a guy called – they all say it's about culture, it's about leadership, it's right. about this, it's about that, which I agree with, by the way. And then they go with the scheme guys. Oh, this guy's a great offensive mind. This guy's – and then after they hire the scheme guy, they'll say, if you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. Well, the Eagles did, and a lot of teams have done that prior to them. We'll see how it plays, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from Wade Phillips. I get the chance. I'll punch up the National Football Show today with our boy Dan Cilio, because uh, um, I, I and I've never interviewed Wade Phillips, but I've commented on Wade Phillips on many of my shows. He is one of those guys, and they're not as rare as people would think, who is a Phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal coordinator. One of the best defensive coordinators in football. Even better than John McMullen's favorite, uh, the former defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Jim Schwartz. I'll take Wade Phillips every day of the week and twice on Sunday over Jim Schwartz. I don't like the three, four. I'm telling you, he's one of the best. And oh, by the way, I like Wade Phillips. I, I, I agree. They're both top 10 when they're in the conversation. As great a defensive coordinator as he uh, was, terrible head coach. Just a terrible head coach. And there are some guys like that. Everyone thinks that because you're a great offense quarter, a great defense quarter, then that's going to lend itself to being a very good head coach as well. Doesn't always work that way. You can be at the top of your position, profession, as a coordinator and you can be real bad as a head coach. They're two different positions with two different groups of responsibilities. And some guys can be really good on one side of the ball. But when put in that position to have to run an entire football team, it just doesn't work. And Wade Phillips was one of them. Because he was so great as a defense coordinator, he kept getting chance after chance after chance. Despite the fact that he failed as a head coach, teams were willing to give him one more try. And it never panned out because he was just a bad head coach. And there's been a handful of those types in the league over the last few years, but maybe no one as stark as Wade Phillips. That's a good spot coming up on the National Football Show today. We've got what we believe is a good spot coming up with us. Nick Fierro covers the Eagles uh, day in and day out for the Allentown Morning Call. Was down there at the Novacare Complex with Johnny Mack over the weekend. He's going to join us next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. 
catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you. When you're ready to visit the Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Monday morning get-together here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you after a weekend of football. All right, games weren't played, but practices were had, or at least drills were run uh, down at the Novacare Complex with the Eagles rookie mini camp ongoing. Johnny Mac was there, and our next guest was there as well. Joining us uh, via his phone in his car, I can tell that for damn sure, is our buddy Nick <laughs> Fiera from the Allentown morning call. Where the hell are you off to this morning, Fierro? Well, guys, I am an emergency replacement, and you know it's got to be a big emergency for me to be called on no. to be uh, a So, but it's a freebie, so I'm I'm there. You know, uh, I'm all about free golf. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm up in Central Pennsylvania, heading up near my alma mater, Juniata College, putting in some uh, major right now. But I, we're, we're okay. I thought we were going to get just audio, Nick Piero. So I'm excited we're getting video, Nick Piero. I should have known it was about golf. Anybody who knows Nick uh, should have known it's about golf. But, hey, also Nick is a great bowler. we got to tell that story as well, Nick Piero. But I do want to get into the – Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day. Pro bowler, Jody. Pro bowler. Not, not, not yeah, an NFL not pro bowler. Yeah. My only experience was locker room, and not even then. That's it. <laughs> All right, let's get into the Eagles, Nick. What were you uh, expecting to see, and what were you looking for on Friday? Obviously, we're only in there for 20, 25 minutes, but I'm interested to see what you walked in 
what were you looking for? What'd you expect? What'd you see? What stood out to you? Um, just, I guess, energy, you know, and, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what these guys were doing, some of the drills and stuff like that. Every coaching staff brings in a little bit of a new, you know, kind of a twist. Um, and, and every year they kind of tweak stuff. So, uh, we want to see how these, uh, receivers are around. Well, they're not allowed to hit, but we're you know, trying to swat balls loose and, and things like that, hitting them with a little pad. Um, just to try to get them acclimated. I couldn't tell with the linemen at all. I can't tell until they start hitting. But, but with the receivers, uh, I guess everybody was kind of looking at Devontae Smith's body type, too, uh, how he was. And I, I, you, I think probably in the same boat is that uh, most people feel like, you know, this guy's the real deal. The only thing that would really, uh, you know, derail would be, snapped in half or something at this at this level but he's got everything else i think he's got you know intangibles he could get open he could traffic uh, he could take a hit too we got, he took a lot of hits got right back up and so um but you know at this level might be a little different deal and uh man just see the way it just in the drills the the, the the people to see them after they stretched out you know what kind of a of a player he is, uh, what kind of an athlete he is, these other guys too. But I, you know, I, I, I think uh, it's a shame. I was kind of disappointed with the access, and I'm sure you were too. I thought we'd get to see the whole. Don't know if the Eagles are in comparison to any other teams in the National Football League giving. Uh, media less access, but uh, you guys do as much as you can and give us the best read that you can for the limited time that you have. Uh, Nick, let me let me throw a theory by you, uh, because Devonta Smith is the guy that we're talking about most and everybody's uh, looking at. They trade up in the first round to get him, so of course he's going to garner a phenomenal amount of attention. Oh, by the way, he won the Heisman Trophy, so he should get all that attention. The effect that it's going to have on the other guys in the wide receiver room. Eagles have a couple wide receivers coming back who are non-rookies, second-year, third-year, fourth-year, fifth-year guys who over the last couple of years were in line behind the likes of Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffries, established NFL wide receivers who they had to fall in and take their place behind. There's a good chance that Devonta Smith is going to be the best wide receiver on Eagles this year, and he's a rookie. Will that motivate the other guys, the Ragers, the Whitesides, uh, the other guys in the Eagles wide receiver room to say, damn, this guy's younger than I am, and he's a better player. I better pick up my game. I better work hard. I better get more done. Otherwise, I'm not going to be around this league very long. I think this is probably a pretty optimistic glass half full way to look at it. But could it play that way for the rest of the wide receiver room? Yeah, it could very well be. But, you know, I, I'm of, of the opinion Young Eagles, you know, the guys that they drafted last year, uh, Quez Watkins, um, and the other guys, too. You know, Greg Ward, uh, we need extra motivation. I just think we need a little bit more seasoning. Well, the young guys do. The, the, the rookies from last year do. And in Rieger's case, I think he was uh, he was uh, he a couple of injuries last year. And... Uh, you know how I feel about him. I think the last time I was on the show, I was talking about him. I I really feel he's going to be a, a really good receiver. Uh, he's going to work out just. Like 
if Devontae Smith is the best pressure on these guys because they're going to have a legit number one here now, and you know there won't be as much pressure on on uh, to be guy. Um, you know, could come in and make that big play occasionally, and they, they have possession receivers, um, pretty good possession possession receivers. Um, I think it, it makes better having a guy uh, like Devontae Smith, who I think will be able to step in. Like I said, if he doesn't get snapped in half, um, we'll be able to be number one right away and be a real receiver to be in, in the league and still is to an extent that it takes receivers at least a year to adjust, um, but not so much. We saw that happen with the guy the Eagles could have had, but I still think that uh, Rager's going to work out just fine. Um, he needed that year, and he, he had to come. But uh, you know, assuming he's going to be a really good receiver, has a chance to catch, you know, 70, 80 balls uh, in, in the first season, especially with this team, he's going to be playing catch-up ball a lot of the time. Hey, Nick, we're having some audio issues with you, but I do want to get one more in about Nick Sirianni. Uh, because obviously that was the big imprint, his first practice as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it, you know, to me, I've looked at him, whether it's fair or not, you just talked about the receivers. Uh, a lot of people criticize the old staff for developing players. Uh, Nick Sirianni's here to develop players like those young receivers. What, did, what were your first impressions? I saw him walking all over the field, even to the defensive side. He, gave, he welcomed us. He, he introduced uh, himself to all the media members there. Uh, on the other hand, after the practice during the press conference, I don't think he handled the Jalen Hurts questions that well. Your overreaching impressions of, of Nick Sirianni. First of all, he tried to make a good impression on the fact that he came over and introduced himself uh, to us, um, you know, when I talked to him, he was very impressed with my first name, so that was good. Um, uh, I, I, to- I totally and uh, you know his his answers with Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's under orders from the commandant. You know, yeah. Jalen Hurts. Uh, going to be his first year coach. He's not going to come out and say, uh, you know, Hurts is my starter for the next hundred years. You know, like Chip Kelly did. I, I totally understand it. The Eagles are on Deshaun Watson. They've been rumored to be trading for Russell Wilson, for God's sake, 34 years old. You know, Aaron Rodgers, why are they doing this? I, I understand Deshaun Watson, maybe. But these other guys, I don't know. But that's the Eagles. And so they're not going to commit. And so their head coach is under orders, I think. Um, maybe he could have done it a little bit differently. It's... Um, in the situation that he's in right now, there wasn't really much else he could do. But I think he's trying to – I think it's, it's – so, I mean, I, I've been hearing you. We still good? Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, I, I thought, you know, what, what's really striking – you know, every year, you know, Doug Peterson hired, there's been a new wide receivers coach. For one reason or another, it hasn't worked out. Um, and I've – Obviously, you know, in the case of, uh, you know, they promoted him to offensive coordinator, but for a reason, they've had different receivers coaches every year. This year, with the new head coach, they keep the same wide receivers coach. 
But, of course, Jerry comes in, and, you know, he's got the uh, receivers coach, and I think that's going to, going to help. I think he'll help, especially a guy like Jalen Rieger. Um, and, uh, yeah, because his biggest uh, problem was uh, I think that um, be- between uh, – with all, all they have there, I think we're losing uh, our buddy Nick Fiala. We'll let him get to his golf game, Thank connect him on whatever highway he was on. Uh, not good. Nicky, thank you much for hopping on with us. Um, he got uh, a late invite into a golf tournament, so he decided to uh, do the phone thing, which I still can't comprehend. I don't Do you have you? I'm sure you do, Mr. Reporter. You have one of those attachments on your car. To put your yeah, phone yeah, in yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we got to do we got to do Zoom from our car so much now um, that you have to have it. But uh, yeah, I don't know where Nick's going in Central Pennsylvania. It's some kind of cave. What are those uh, <laughs> stalagmite stalactite caves? Don't know where he's going either. But uh, yeah, I I refuse to do it. Uh, there are some things that's not that important for me to do my job. I'm always sitting in front of a microphone, so I don't have to sweat it. Uh, yeah, I refuse to do stuff like that. Well, but I'm glad I, I'm glad he tried. I'm glad uh, Nick tried to join us. But yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have audio. There's nothing you can do. It's that's a technological exactly world. Exactly, what I was going to say. At least he gave us the effort, and we do appreciate that. But um, you asked him about. Jalen Hurts, it's the one thing we haven't touched on yet here today. Because we stuck to the rookies because it was the rookie minicamp. And Jalen Hurts and or any of the veteran guys were not allowed to participate in the rookie minicamp. But he was the most talked about uh, player at any of the media sessions that the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles had, Nick Sirianni. And as you asked Nick Fierro, uh, you didn't necessarily like the answers that he gave about Jalen Hurts, Nick gave us a little bit of insight. Uh, why don't you follow up and explain why you weren't happy with the way Nick Sirianni answered his questions about Jalen Hurts? Yeah, well, I think Nick actually said it better. And I'm texting him right here as I talk to you. All, all technology, Jody. But um, what he brought up, I thought, was was uh, really smart in that he can't say anything else. And that's the problem with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, how they've set this whole thing up, he he's not in charge of that. So he's basically got to bend it off the best he can. Now, I think he could have done a better job. I think he started out saying, look, we don't talk about people under contract and things of that nature. But he was very choppy with it. You could tell he was very uncomfortable with the question. And maybe that just comes with experience. Bottom line, I'm writing about this on Philly Voice. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of this team right up until he isn't. And if Deshaun Watson becomes available and Deshaun Watson becomes an option, guess what? If they can get him, they're going to get him. And it's going to be I, – I know when I put that in my column, Jody, I know I've told you my a couple stories I always tell, my Adrian Peterson story, my yeah. F.U. Chester Taylor story. Guess what? If you can get to Sean Watson, that's an FU Jalen Hurts moment. I'm sorry, people. That's what it is. And that's where the Eagles are. But it remains unlikely, very unlikely, it's going to happen this year. Um, next year, we can revisit where he is in his personal life, and maybe it becomes more of an option. But he's an FU player. That's what he is. 
here's, you, you change your plans. Here's what I think is almost humorous, uh, where we sit with the Philadelphia Eagles in the quarterback position as of today. Nick Sirianni wants to continue to say there's competition for every position, including quarterback, as if Joe Flacco can win the job over Jalen Hurts this year. I think that's nuts. It yeah. is. It's well, Jalen Hurts' job. They had the chance to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. They chose not to. They didn't take one in the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, or the seventh round either. So there's a reason for that, and his name is Jalen Hurts. They are basically married to Jalen Hurts for the 2021 season. Yet they want to continually tell us about the fact that, oh, no, there's a competition this year. <laughs> I disagree. There is a competition, but it's for 2022. And the participants are Jalen Hurts on one side and every other quarterback on the face of the planet on the other side. That someone's going to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022. We don't know who it is. Jalen Hurts has got a shot, but so does everybody else. There is truly a competition ongoing. Nick Sirianni is going to try and sell us that it's this year. No, it's not. It's for next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year <clears> after <throat> that. You threw Deshaun well, Watson. Well, it might in. even not because if Deshaun Watson, we talked about some of the, the wrangling going on. Diana Rossini kind of started this because she's the latest one who came out and said, look, uh, the Eagles are going to make a major move before September. That's what she was talking about. It's all, you know, hinging on on uh, what uh, what Rusty Harden can get done on the legal front when it comes to Deshaun Watson. But you put that aside. You put Deshaun Watson aside. I agree with you. The competition part – I don't have that big of a problem with because I know what it is. It's coach speak. Look, he talks about competition. It's a second-year player who started four games. That's all it's about. He's not going to hand him anything on a platter. We all know Fletcher Cox is the starting defensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's also made multiple Pro Bowls. He's a potential future Hall of Famer. We all know Jason Kelsey is entrenched. And Lane Johnson at Pelty is entrenched. These guys are proven players. So I don't have any problem on May 15th, whatever it was, of him saying, I'm not going to hand this guy. I'm not going to put a decree out there and say, this guy's the starting quarterback. On the other hand, you're right, Jody. He is the starting quarterback. We all know it. But I don't have a problem with the coach speak. That's what he believes in. That's one of his four tenets of his philosophy, blah, blah, blah. I I do think it was interesting that he kind of brought it up with himself. And he said, look, I, I have to compete. Jonathan Gannon has to compete. Shane Steichen has to compete. Because if we don't do our job well, you know, there's a lot of people that want to do our jobs. He basically foreshadowed his shelf life you know the old we brought up wade phillips his father bum phillips is famous there's two kinds of coaches jody them that's hired and them that's fired that's what bum phillips said everybody's getting fired maybe except bill belichick everybody's right. getting fired uh nick sirianni's getting fired the goal is to make your shelf life the in-between time successful whether it's 
championship appearances like Andy Reid, a Super Bowl like Doug Peterson. That's what we don't know. We know Jeffrey Lurie is going to fire him at some point. We know that. So everybody is competing. If Jalen Hurts is competing against himself, against expectation, but you're right. He's not competing against Joe Flacco or no. Jamie Newman. I think he's competing against the future. Um, a little surprised <clears throat> that you're buying into this Diana Rossini or anyone else. Generating. No, I'm not buying into it. Okay. You're, you're I'm just, saying it's out there. You're, you're, you're reporting on the reporting thereof. Fair enough. I think it's highly, and I'll, you want me to break it down a percentage, less than 2% that Deshaun Watson is traded uh, at some point during this year. I just don't think it's happening. I think the legal issues that he's got down in Houston are going to drag their feet. At some point, the NFL is going to act. I think there's a good chance he's going to end up on the commissioner's exempt list. And then the Texans will be okay with that because they'll get to save all of Deshaun Watson's salary. Um, so I don't think they're necessarily ready to turn around, trade him, take a huge cap hit because they're trading him when they have another option, not good for the outcome of games in 2021 if you're the Texans, which, by the way, I think there's a really good chance they could be the worst team in the National Football League. They could be a team that the Eagles are going to have to deal with if they want to move up to get their quarterback of choice in next year's NFL draft. I think the Texans might win the least games in the National Football League this year. And I think they're okay with it. I think they know they're in complete rebuild mode, that they're going to have to move on from Watson. But they want to dictate the timing of when Deshaun Watson becomes their ex-quarterback. I don't think it's happening before this year starts. I don't think it's going to happen during the year. I don't think it's going to happen until after the year is over and done with. No matter <laughs> what any NFL reporter says, my read on this situation, and I got to admit, it's a fluid situation. The lawsuits could change. The investigation by the NFL might turn out differently if that's the case. But as we sit here today, I don't see Deshaun Watson playing football in the NFL this year for any team, Texans, Eagles, anyone else included. I just don't think he's going to play. Now, well, I've agreed with you, but we brought up last week on the show and I brought up specifically and this is where this is all stemming from. Uh, Rusty Harden spoke pretty confidently last week. Um, Tony Busby, who was the lawyer for uh, all the people lobbing accusations at Deshaun Watson, uh, was upset about how Lisa Friel of the NFL was handling, handling this investigation. At least that's what he said publicly. So, yeah, I mean, nobody knows if this – you mentioned the Houston Texans, though, Jody. They don't, it's not in their control. I mean, if the NFL moves along and comes to a conclusion and says, okay, it's a six-game suspension, guess what? Yeah, you don't you don't have the ability to keep them on the commissioner's exempt list for the entire season. So in a lot of ways, it's out of their hand. Everybody in this league knows the Texans have come to the conclusion they have to move them. And that's why people keep talking about it. It's not just Diana. It's Peter King. It's Jason Locke on Fora. Locally, it's Jeff McLean. Locally, it's me, to be perfectly honest. It ain't just one person. It won't die because the Eagles are – one thing I can tell you, 
the Eagles are interested in Deshaun Watson as a football player. Now, Jeffrey Lurie has proven time and time again, everybody will point to Mike Vick. It's not just Mike Vick, Riley Cooper. Deshaun Jackson last year, remember, Jeffrey Lurie's Jewish, and he still gave Deshaun Jackson a second chance after uh, his anti-Semitic post on, on social media. This guy has proven time and time again, he might not be Jerry Jones, but he's going to give players second chances. And then when you put in the talent versus tolerance equation that every team uses, guess what? Deshaun Watson's talent is going to spawn a lot of tolerance. And the Eagles, if they have an opportunity to get Deshaun Watson, whether it's in September, before September, as Diana said, or next year, they're going to try to get him. That's just the way it is. But I will say this as well, Jody, before you you before you respond, a lot of other teams are going to try to get him as well. It's right. not just going to be the Eagles. The Eagles will not be the only pursuer. And I don't question any reporting that says the Eagles have interest in him and or will, when he becomes more available, be ready to jump with offers and uh, to get into the bidding for his services. I, I agree with that. I understand all of that. I don't think that opportunity is going to come up. I don't believe you mentioned the it fact Very that well might be right. The commissioner's office could just suspend him and not necessarily put him on the exempt list. Well, Roger Dell works for the owners, right? He doesn't work for the players. He tries to keep his relationship with the players and the union as above board as possible, but when push comes to shove, who signs his checks? The owners do. So uh, given the choice between suspending him and or putting him on the commissioner's exempt list, it kind of gives you cover if you're the commissioner. If you can put him on that list and you're not getting paid, you're giving the team the break of not having to pay him. Yes, he's going to try and do that solid for the uh, owner of the Texans. Are the players going to have an issue? Yes. Is there going to be an arbitration here? Yes. All those things, they'll go through the league uh, tools that protect the players or attempt to protect the players. And we know who's the judge and jury of that, too. That's the commissioner. So I'm telling you right now, I think the, the guy is not going to play football this year. I don't think he's going to play for the Texans. I don't think they're going to play for anybody else. They pushed back the trade deadline in the NFL. They used to ridiculously have it like, four weeks into the season, and then they shut it down. It's now more along the lines of the midpoint of the season. You might be able to tell me off the top of your head exactly when it is. I, I don't think it's happening. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be dealt. I think this thing is going to drag itself out. The point you made about Jeff Laurie and willing to overlook issues in players' characters, and you started to show that a little bit more over these last several years, I think it's spot on and right, and that's why I think the Eagles will be involved in any conversation that's had I just don't think they're going to be able to make a deal because I don't think the Texans are going to want to trade him. I don't think they're going to be allowed to trade him at some point because I think he's going to be on an exempt list. And then the trade deadline is going to kick in and the Eagles can make their big play for Deshaun Watson next year going into 2022. I don't think it's happening in 2021. 
Yeah, I still think that's the more likely scenario, but but I will say it has to do only with the legal ramifications. If the NFL's hand is forced, the NFL's hand is forced. That the the union is not going to let them wait around for a guy for a year. In other words, if the allegations go away or if there's a settlement, uh, the police come out and say there's no uh, charges being filed, then Lisa Friel has to finish our investigation, they have to make their move, whether that's a suspension for six games, four games, a full year, whatever. That's what they have to do. Their hands are tied. But you did mention uh, Roger Goodell, I point out all the time, as you know. Yeah, he works for the owners. Yeah. He's he's the lightning rod for the owners. You know, Houston, the McNairs might want something, that means Lori might want something else. That means the Roonies might want something else. That means other owners, they might want Deshaun Watson. They might say to Roger Cadell, guess what? Suspend the guy. Let's get this moving. Let's get this back in the right track. There's more than one owner in this mix. So that part I don't agree with. The part I do agree with is, yeah, their hands are tied. The league's hands are tied. The Texans Everybody wants Deshaun Watson until the legal ramifications are cleared up. Nobody can do anything. Bottom line. All right. Uh, you you bring up a an interesting way to look at it. Uh, so uh, for conversational purposes, I'm going to make you Roger Goodell. I'm the owner of the Texans. And I say, Roger, and it's just you and I on the phone. Um, this uh, situation is just killing my organization. Uh, Watson did what he did. Uh, you've got your information. You've done your own research. We've done ours and the like. Uh, we just don't foresee the kid coming back and being able to play for us. He really doesn't want to play for us. We're going to be handicapped. He's going to be sitting out and not playing, and we're paying him all this money. You, you need to do us a solid here. I'm sure you've got enough evidence to justify putting him on a suspended list, whatever else. You're McNair. You're the owner of the Texans. You make that plea. Good to Goodell and he shakes his head and says I hear you, I hear you, I hear you now you get that call from another owner be it Jeff Lurie of the Philadelphia Eagles and he's asking Roger how about this Deshaun Watson situation no you've done your investigation no you've looked into it uh, he's refusing to come to camp uh, you, you're contemplating putting on uh, we really think that you should put him back in play right do you really think Goodell will respond to that an owner who actually has the player on his roster is trying to influence you to act one way. An owner who's got nothing to do with him other than he's a player in the league on another team is going to try and influence you. You think he's going to listen to another owner more so no, than the owner the, of the player uh, I, of the team? To be honest, I don't think he's listened to either. I don't think either would ask that. I don't think McNair would go and look, save us from a money standpoint essentially is what you're 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 spreading out there yes look it's a difficult situation you can look at it you know the eagles might want to say that about carson wentz hey roger give us a some kind of you know condition that where we don't have to spend 16 and a half percent of the salary cap because yeah, we made Car a bad decision Car carson wentz didn't do anything wrong no carson i know wentz didn't have 20 something know. Wants you to get my, them. My, you my, can make that you can take that stance on no, my only point is it, it has nothing to do – the money has nothing to do with the situation. He can put him on the commissioner's exempt list. 
because of the legal issues. You can't keep them on there because of money issues. The union, you can say whatever you want about the union and, and D. Smith and, and J.C. Treader. They're not that dumb, Jody. If they see a guy is just being put in mothballs and not being able to earn his living because, you know, Robert McNair called Roger Goodell. I mean, that's the scandal of all scandals. Uh, Roger is smart enough to avoid that. McNair is smart enough to avoid that. It, it comes down to the situation. And I'd say this, the other end of the spectrum, where when you have fans, when something like this happens, and they say, and you, I'm sure you've heard this, Joey, you should ban this guy from the sport. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that because there's a collective bargain agreement. There's courts. If you try to ban somebody from the sport and, you know, they take you to court and you've seen these things have gone all the way to the Supreme Court in this country, they are very, very uh, unlikely to, to, to accept you preventing someone from earn a living. They've, they've shown that time and time again. Doesn't matter, conservative, liberal justices, they've shown that time and time again. One of the reasons the, the, the union always loses in court, ultimately, even if it goes to the Supreme Court, is because they are loath to turn over collectively bargaining agreements. And people don't realize this. Sports people don't realize this because that has repercussions that go far beyond professional football. That means everything's open. Any CBA in any industry can be overturned on a whim. Right. They will not do that. They will not do that. So the union and, and the commissioner are very savvy on these employment issues. There's no way they can just put a guy in mothballs if the legal issues are cleared up. Everybody's hands are tied from that perspective. Everybody's. True, but we've said this before, but then they find ways to do it. And I, I'm a Goodell fan. Not everybody is. If uh, you ask me, there are more Goodell haters than Goodell appreciators. I'm in the minority as a guy who appreciates Roger Goodell. Um, but I think he also knows how to use his power when he has to, pulls it back when he has to. I think he's actually pretty smart in the way that he does handle that discipline in the NFL. Sometimes he flies in the face of uh, precedent and then that annoys me. And um, But in this situation, we haven't seen guys go on the commissioner's list before, so it would not surprise me at all if that's where Deshaun Watson ends up. Maybe not as in the hypothetical scenario I laid out for you that he's doing it because he is kind of uh, somebody puts a bug in his ear, uh, the owner of the Texans, about what is happening to the Texans and how they are being unreasonably uh, punished for the actions of a player that they would like some relief from the commissioner's office. That might not be the way that it plays out, or certainly it won't be the way that it's reported, because as you correctly stated, that would be the controversy of all controversies if it came out that McNair was trying to influence Goodell's decision. But I just get the feeling that that's the way it's going to shake out. That well, I, I've said that. that I, I agree with you. I, I think they have a cloud that they can sort of uh, operate under as long as these allegations are out there. I think he's on the exemplist. I agree with you. But if, they, if, they, if they're removed, I think his hands are tied. He's got to move in that instance. 
right, let me uh, follow up with this. And it was a discussion that was being had on uh, the radio station. I work on WIP, a couple other places as well. We know for a fact that Nick Sirianni over the weekend did not answer <clears throat> the question directly about uh, Jalen Hurts being the starting quarterback of the Eagles. He wants to keep it as, hey, He's competing. Everybody's competing. The coaches are competing. Competition is the greatest thing in the world. That's what we're all about. So it's a competition. You're not going to get me to say Jalen Hurts is a starter, despite the fact that you and I believe that is absolutely the case and the way that it's going to play out uh, when the season starts. Next year is another story, but this year he's going to be the starter. The Eagles via social media, when they put out their schedule, highlighted a couple of different players, used their faces on some stuff that they sent out, and used other players, including like Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox, but chose not to use the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So people are reading into this between the lines, and I'm a guy who likes to read between the lines, but I'm not sure I agree with what others are reading between the lines, that the Eagles are so questioning Jalen Hurts and his ability to be the starting quarterback that they won't put him into their media stuff, that they won't come out and say, yeah, he's the starting quarterback. There's a specific reason I have that I think they're handling it this way. I want to get your read on it. Number one, is it a, as big a deal as some people are making out? And why do you think it is that the Eagles will not just come out and say, Jalen Hurts is our starting quarterback for 2021? Well, Joe, just similar to what I said about Fletcher Cox. They use entrenched players. Fletcher Cox is not competing for a job. We all know he's not competing for a job. He's competing against himself. He's competing against expectations. Again, Jalen Hurts is a second-year player who started four NFL games. They're not going to play it off and say, this is the guy, this is the face of the franchise. Now, maybe you can do that up the turnpike in New York with Zach Wilson, who's a second overall pick, um, down in Jacksonville, certainly with Trevor Lawrence. Um, but you generally don't do that with second, third round picks. And that's where the Eagles are. I don't think it's any more than that. I don't think it's any conspiracy. I, I think they think he didn't earn it yet. And until he earns it, we're not going to put him up with the Fletcher Coxes, the Lane Johnsons, even the Darius Slays who did it in another city you know, even Amal Sanders, who's been here for a couple of years, I think he was also on that uh, graphic. But he's just not entrenched. Those guys are entrenched. He's not. That's, that's it. There's no conspiracy. Well, but uh, – and now uh, register full well I'm playing devil's advocate because I don't think there's as much to read into it as some other people are suggesting that there is. But to follow their line of thinking, uh, the argument I would make would be if <laughs> – uh, let's say it was four players they used on their social media to promote the team. But how many of the other 32 NFL teams would not be using their quarterback as one of their four players? I don't know of any. The Eagles might be the only, even Daniel Jones, who you know I'm not a fan of with the New York yeah. Giants. I guarantee you he's one of their four players, despite the fact that they added all his talent at the White. And shoot, they added another guy this weekend, uh, the former wide receiver from. Carolina, whose name is going out of my uh, uh, Calvin Benjamin. Calvin Benjamin. They got so many wide receivers now on that team. I don't know who's going to be on their roster. I don't know. I think Calvin. he's moving to tight end. So uh, okay, Benjamin. there yeah. they have Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram. So he's yeah. the third tight end. So they even have tight end depth. 
I'm not sure where he fits, but they did that, and they're trying to give him as many weapons as possible so that they can decipher, like the Eagles, 2022. Well, who the hell is going to be our quarterback? If Daniel Jones can't put points on the board with this group, then we know we've got the wrong guy. But even at that, I think they've used uh, Daniel Jones to promote their upcoming season. It does kind of stick out like a sore thumb that the Eagles are not uh, putting this kind of emphasis on their quarterback. I think it's a much simpler answer. We are only a couple of months removed from the Eagles having to trade their franchise quarterback, the guy who was always part of their social media advertising, the guy who was out front in everything that the Eagles did in Carson Wentz. And they did it even when Nick Foles was winning the Super Bowl. It was all about Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz is going to take us back to the Super Bowl. And Carson Wentz is going to lead us into the future. And now Carson Wentz is in Indianapolis. They're still smarting from that. And they did it, and they had to scrape the egg off their face when they eventually had to trade Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz demanded it, and they didn't want to go through all the Paul roll and fill the idea of having Carson Wentz as their quarterback. I don't think they want to do that again. They don't want to name Jalen Hurts. They don't want to put <laughs> Jalen Hurts on a quasi-pedestal as the starting quarterback of the Eagles, only to know that in 2022 – Someone else could be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that's where Nick Sirianni is getting his marching orders because Nick's new to the job. Nick just got here. Why would he care about what happened in the past? Oh, Howie Roseman cares. Jeff Lurie cares. And those are his bosses. So if they're telling him, Nick, Ixnay on the uh, starting quarterback, A, everything's a competition, Nick's going to get out in front of the media and say, well, there are no starters. Everybody's competing for a job. He's getting his marching orders, and the marching oh, orders yeah. are coming from those who are still smarting because of what happened with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Jody, um, and they're certainly smarting from Carson Wentz, but I gotta—I don't even think it goes that far. I'm trying to think, you said, another team. So I was trying to think offhand. Um, Denver maybe with Drew Locke. Uh, I don't think they would do it. I don't know okay. if they did it. Uh, New Orleans, maybe, with Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, wherever they're going to go. I don't think they would do it. Uh, but there's very few. Those are the only two I can think of. The rest of the guys, even if you don't like a Daniel Jones, he's entrenched. There's a lot of young quarterbacks, but you know them, like Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and – Mac Jones and everybody else that got drafted. Um, so I think there are a few teams, um, and the Eagles are one of those few teams. They have a guy who's not high profile as far as draft choices go and isn't proven. So I just – I think it's that simple. I really do. Might very well be, um, and it is a little different. You're right. There are a couple of teams in the NFL. You gave me the two that you thought of. Uh, I might even put New England to that mix. I, yeah. I, I think they'll probably com uh, promote Cam. I think there's very little chance that uh, Matt Jones is going to be able to win that job in camp. At some point during the year, could there be a turnover in New England? Yeah, I think so. But I think Cam is absolutely going to be the starter. My guess is Belichick would be smart enough to, in a season where Tom Brady's coming back to New England to play, yeah. you, you got to at least give your quarterback – 
some push as to confidence you're going to be able to get the job done, and certainly in the season. So I think, yes, it's going to be Cam against Tom Brady. So I think the Patriots will push that a little bit. But uh, I want to continue the quarterback conversation. Uh, we are your Birds 365 guys, McMullen and McDonald, Mac and Mac here with you on the Jacob Media uh, YouTube channel. Uh, continue the conversation about the birds and the quarterback position right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Mac guys here on Birds 365, a Monday get-together. We're talking a lot about the quarterback position with the Philadelphia Eagles after their first Ricky minicamp. Uh, let me ask you this before we get back to Jalen Hurts. Um, you got to at least see him physically, maybe throw the ball a little bit. Don't know that you would uh, have a full-time scouting report off what Jamie Newman did this week, but the Eagles only have one quarterback in their rookie minicamp, and that was the undrafted free agent, Mr. Newman. Big guy, got some size, supposed to be really good 
and athletic did he flash those traits for you while you guys down there for the limited time you were in front of Eagles while they were on the field? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you saw. You saw how big he was. Uh, I think he's 6'3", 6'4", about 235. So you can see the physical ability. You can see the strength in his arm. Um, you can see the scouting report, what it says. I, I've been pretty consistent. I thought – I think it was Gil Bryant, Jody, who uh, – said this was the best undrafted free agent in the NFL. The Eagles got him. The Eagles got him for a reason. He's smart. You know, a lot of times I always say it's always disappointing when you think you're going to be drafted, you're not drafted. But if you're in the seventh round, you shouldn't want to be drafted, especially no. the back end of the seventh round. You want to look around the league. You want to have your agent say, okay, who needs a quarterback? Well, who needs a quarterback, Jody? The Philadelphia Eagles need a quarterback. They got Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. That's it. So Jamie Newman comes in as an undrafted free agent. You know he's going to be here. You know he's going to be here. Now, it might be the practice squad, and there's always a risk that somebody could pick him up on waivers before you can get him back on the practice squad. But you also have to be realistic about that and say, well, you know, he didn't get drafted. So it's unlikely somebody's going to make that commitment that hasn't had him for the whole summer. So I'm very confident to say Jamie Newman's going to be here. He's going to be the developmental player at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a great spot for him. In a lot of ways, it's better than being drafted because if he goes somewhere else as a draft choice, as a seventh-round pick, he might get cut. Right, and here's one of the things you don't want to hear. And in the seventh round, the Kansas City Chiefs select quarterback Jamie Newman. Well, you're not going to beat out Patrick Mahomes. That's not happening. Now you may get a little extra coin at the end of the year for a playoff run and a Super Bowl if you're on the roster. So if that's what you're going into the league for, to put a couple of dollars in the bank, okay, fine. If you actually have this dream about playing and being a starting quarterback sometime in your career, Yes, you'd rather come in and see what Jalen Hurts can do. You know what Joe Flacco's job is. He's going to be the backup quarterback this year. He signed a one-year contract. He's ahead of you on the depth chart, but he's surely someone that can be jumped over at some point if you're good enough. Of course, you're going to choose the Philadelphia Eagles. And there aren't too many teams that I would say you would prefer to go to (laughs) over the Philadelphia Eagles if you're a quarterback. Different positions, different strengths, uh, different depth charts. Yes, someone else could want to go somewhere else other than come here to the Eagles. Uh, There's a reason why he landed here. This is probably as good an opportunity potentially going forward as any other team in the National Football League right now. Yeah, no question. For a quarterback, Jamie Newman, his agent made the right decision to get him to Philadelphia. I would also say Tremont Grimes is in that conversation as well. I wrote about him in Sports Illustrated. Big kid, big receiver. I mentioned him a little bit before. 6'4", man, 225. I mean, he is just thick. He's one of those guys. We talked about Kelvin Benjamin going to the Giants, moving to tight end. I could see this kid moving to tight end at some point down the road. Uh, Darren Waller's the best example of this as a as a guy who, boy, I got to tell you, Jody, uh, Baltimore drafted Darren Waller in the sixth round as a wide receiver from Georgia Tech. I remember they came here for joint practices, and he just ate the Eagles defensive backs alive. I mean, ate them alive. This big guy, 50-50 catches. 
but he was six six. He had some off the field issues. It didn't work out for him in Baltimore. Ultimately, goes to Oakland, now Las Vegas. He turns into one of the best tight ends in football. He's really just a glorified receiver. What right. we talk about, Kyle Pitts might be in Atlanta. Um, the league seems to be going towards these players, guys. You don't even say, "I don't care if he can block." We need that big receiver. The Eagles need a big receiver. They have options. Travis Fulgham, I talked about this a lot. J.J. Ortega, Whiteside. Grimes is going to be in that mix. And the second part of it, why it's smart for him, who was his offensive coordinator at Florida, Brian Johnson, who's now here as the quarterback's coach. A couple of things on the Eagles and receivers. Um, you're right. If you've got a player who can play and fits a mold of the type of player you're looking for, then I'm on agreement with it that you, you try and get that player in, into the system and you try and create positions and possessions where he can make plays for you and, and produce. Um, but I think you can fall prey to forcing things that if you don't have someone specifically right side to play a position, uh, and here's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, just for our listeners' sake, and, and myself as well, because you might see it slightly differently than me. We talk about this, have talked about it on previous episodes. The X, Y, and Z receiver positions on a football team. Do myself and our listeners a favor. Explain to everybody what an X receiver is, what a Y receiver, what a Z receiver is, what their responsibilities are, and what you expect them to be when you're putting together your football team? Well, the X is a split end. So that's the guy who who lines up on the line of scrimmage. So if you're watching a game, he's the guy that's got to be up on the line of scrimmage. That means he's got to beat press coverage a lot. It's generally the big uh, physical receivers. Like an Alshon Jeffrey when he was healthy. He's a perfect example of a traditional X receiver in the NFL. That's the type of body type you're looking for. You think about Devontae Matt, and I think about Jay Cutler when he was in Chicago with Alshon Jeffrey, those back shoulder fades. If it's third and seven, Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal at, at this with Devontae Adams. If it's third and seven, man, you throw that back shoulder perfectly, there's nothing any cornerback in the NFL can do if you have a big receiver with a big catching radius like those guys. That's what you're looking for generally at the X position. It's not why. Why is why is an inline tight end? It's flex or slot, and that's pretty self-evident. That's Greg Ward. That's a slot receiver. That's well, well, you think about New England, the Wes Welkers of the world, the Julian Edelmans of the world. Great short area quickness. Got to be able to run those option routes. Got to be really tough to stick your nose inside occasionally with a linebacker. And then the Z receiver is is. Uh, the flanker, the guy who gets the lineup off the line of scrimmage. So you can use him and motion him to get away from press coverage. Generally, the Deshaun Jacksons of the world when in his prime that maybe would have a little difficulty getting off press coverage. You can motion them. You can do a little bit more to help them <clears throat> in that aspect of the game. That's generally you're looking for the templates. Now, you know, Nick Sirianni's made a, a big uh, – deal of saying all our receivers are going to play all the positions I've mentioned to this to you before Jody 
that's great in theory. Demonte Smith might be able to do it in a different way as an X receiver because he's such a great route runner. He's so quick at the line of scrimmage. He can get off press coverage in a different way than somebody like Alshon Jeffrey could. So, yeah, he's a great receiver. He can probably do a bunch of different things. Um, do you really want the other receivers, Greg Ward, playing outside? I don't think so. Do you want J.J. Ortega-Whiteside or Travis Fulgham playing in the slot? Eh, maybe for a play or two, but not consistently. So I always talk about this. If you move one guy, other guys got to move. So you can talk about it now in May, as I like to call classroom time. But when you get to the games, it tends to fall into place. This guy does this well. This guy does this well. That means if I have a guy like DeMonte Smith that can do everything, I'm going to put him in the spot the other guys can't play. That's generally how it works. Right. But I would hope that you can use DeMonte Smith at the position he's best at most often. Flexibility is great. Giving defenses different looks yeah. is great. But I do agree with you that you want to have your guy, specifically your best guy, in the position that he's best at the great majority of the time. <clears throat> I, I'm just getting the feeling from both you and uh, Eagle fans when I talk, take calls on the air, blah, 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 about uh, the Eagles don't really have an X receiver. They don't have that guy who can make that good back shoulder catch and uh, just be a physical presence on the line and fight off man-to-man uh, -man coverage. I, I'm not sure that Travis Fulgham can't do that, but – I think it's yet to be proven, but I don't think it's to be all end all. Uh, if you've got someone like that, you can take advantage of it. The quarterback can make those throws <clears> and you've got that type of player. That's good to have, but I don't think it's, it's a necessity because I would ask you, who was the Kansas city chiefs X receiver this past year with Sammy Watkins being as hurt as he was. And when he was played, he wasn't all that productive. Who was their X receiver? They might be the most potent offense in the National Football League. And for me, they don't really have an X receiver. So to say, oh, you don't have an X. How are you going to be able to move the ball without an X wide receiver? Well, Kansas City did it pretty damn well last year. Patrick yeah. Mahomes was able to do it pretty damn well last year. I, I think some people make it out to be a bigger deal. Oh, if you don't have that prototypic big guy who can make the back shoulder catch, well, then you find other ways to beat them, like Patrick Mahomes did with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what here. Nick Sirianni said about T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton played X for the Colts, not a traditional X receiver, but he was the best guy they had available. There's always I, – I have never said – there's always – there's many different ways to win, but I always say you're always looking for – you never have everything you want in the NFL, but you're always looking for everything you want. And you prefer to have that guy. Now, I talk about the back shoulder with Aaron Rodgers and Jay Cutler. You also have the quarterback that has, that can throw it, that has the accuracy to throw it. I don't know if the Eagles have that. So maybe you're right. Ultimately, I look at this team and I say to myself, the guy got to get off the field. And I hate to do this because he is a great kid. But I'm, I got to tell the truth. I have to get him off the field as Greg Ward. I have to get him off the field. So to me, it's not about 
um, Devontae Smith or Jalen Rager, they're going to be on the field. Now, how do I take advantage of that? I want one of those guys, Travis Fulgham, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, or even Trevon Grimes that I just brought up. I want one of them to prove that they are a better player than Greg Ward so I can get Greg Ward off the field. Ultimately, what I would like to have is one of those guys win the X spot, Jalen Rager to play in the slot, Devontae Smith to play Z, which I think will be his best position long-term in the NFL. Now, the majority of the time, that's not to say they're not going to move around and Devontae's not going to be in the slot at times. He's not going to be in the X. But the vast majority of time, I want Devontae Smith, if he's going to be a superstar, he's going to be a superstar playing 65, 70% of his snaps at the Z position. Nick Sirianni knows that. He knows that. I guarantee you he knows that. All right, let me give you a couple of things on Greg Ward. You're dissing my guy, Greg Ward. You absolutely positively are. You might be the Jalen oh, Hurts. You, you, you might be the Jalen Hurts hater, but you're going even further with Greg Ward that you have to get him off the field. Uh, who led the Eagles in receptions? This oh, past who cares? Year? Oh, that, that would just be tells you. That just tells that you. That would be Greg were. Ward. Okay, so you're not impressed by catches. Who led the Eagles in touchdown receptions this past year? This is it, Jody. This team in the modern NFL environment, in the modern NFL environment, has gone two consecutive years without one receiver that has had over 600 yards. They all stunk. Every well, single and, one of them. And, and they're all still here, including Greg Ward, but so is everybody else who also didn't get those yards. So but, why are you trying to elevate way, someone else who didn't get six touchdown grabs like Greg Ward? By the way, you know, if Alshon Jeffrey is a good NFL receiver, we know that's about injuries. That's about a descending player. At one point, he was a very good receiver. At one point, Deshaun Jackson was a star receiver. It was about injuries. It was about, obviously, age. And again, dissension as a player. But they're good NFL receivers. They were good NFL receivers. Come on. You you can't. You've been around. You've been watching this sport for a long time. You're going to sit here and look me in the eye and say Greg Ward is a good NFL receiver. I give Greg Ward a ton of credit for getting the most he could possibly get out of his skill set, developing into a guy who can catch the football and is reliable. But if you want to be a successful offense, Greg Ward can't be on the field for major snaps. That's just the way it is. Okay. Um, yeah, you and I disagree here. And here's the thing I'm going to say about Greg Ward. There's, I threw a couple numbers at you. He was the number one reception guy on the Philadelphia Eagles last year, which includes, of course, Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager and uh, the, the two uh, draft picks last year, Quez Watkins and Hightower. He, he caught more balls than all those guys. And they're all back in the room competing for a job again this year. So I give him credit for that. His percentage of grabs as per targets was the best on the Philadelphia Eagles of all their wide receivers as well, including the proven guys who didn't get a chance to play because of injuries to Sean Watson and uh, Alshon Jeffries again. His was the best. The uh, most touchdown passes received, his was the best on the, the Eagles last year over all those other guys. I, I take all that into consideration. 
He also had one other number that kind of jumped out at me. His less than eight yards per reception is not good. Uh, everybody else is in double digits. He didn't even get to eight, 7.9 yards per reception. That's not good. Here's what I don't know, and I want to find out. And you could be proven right that Greg Ward doesn't deserve to be on the field if this doesn't change. Was that because of Greg Ward, or was that because of Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz? Were the plays schemed for him to go out five yards and make a catch? Or was it just that was his comfort zone? That was all he thought he could get open. That was the way he ran his routes. Was it on Greg Ward? I honestly don't know the answer to that <laughs> question. And the only way I think you can find that out is to give him a shot in a new system. Wow. If all of a sudden Greg Ward goes from 7.9 per catch to 10.4 per catch this year, I'm going to say, well, it was the system. It wasn't Greg Ward. It wasn't his inabilities. It wasn't because he's a former quarterback who transformed himself into a wide receiver. It was because he played the role that he was asked to play in Doug Peterson's system. I want to get a look at Greg Ward in Nick Sirianni's system to see if he can increase that. Because other than that, he was the best receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Except for the fact he didn't catch the ball down the field. He didn't break tackles. He didn't get yak. He was the guy who went That's out, made the catch, it. fell down. He's um, not explosive. He's not an explosive player. And I can tell you, I don't know the new coaching staff that well. He will get every opportunity. They have no skin in the game when it comes to any of these guys. I can also tell you that they don't expect him to win a starting job on this team. And if he does, they'll be disappointed just like the other coaching staff was. Uh, one of the reasons Travis Fogum had the big month and uh, they went back to Alshon Jeffrey is because they knew Alshon Jeffrey just is understands what to do, understands the offense, runs routes better, works better, is a professional uh, he was just, unfortunately, at the end of his career, as I said, but they kept defaulting, you know, crossing their fingers, hoping, hoping against hope Deshaun Jackson could get on the field. Why, Jody? Why? Because he can play when he is on the field. These other guys couldn't play to the level that they needed, but they were forced to put him on the field. Now, hey, Carson had a terrible year. No question about that. Um Quez Watkins is a player they want to get on the field because he can run, because he's explosive. John Hightower, he can run. Why did they bring in these guys? They tried to bring in Mark or Marquis uh, Goodwin because he can run. Um, Greg Ward can't run. And it's really difficult to be an NFL receiver if he can't run. And by can't run, I'm not talking about against Johnny Mack and Jody Mack. For a normal human being, Greg Ward is extremely fast. For an NFL receiver, Greg Ward is not fast. That's that's the biggest issue. Um, he's got very reliable hands. He's a tremendous teammate. Uh, Doug Peterson's wife's favorite player because he does everything right. Look, he's a great kid. He's just – you're not a good football team if he's out there for an extended period of time. I, I don't know how else to put it. And that's why the Eagles are constantly looking to improve. I'm going to be careful with this one because I don't want to get canceled. But you could be the tallest little person at the circus, Jody. Yeah. You're still the little person. 
In other words, Greg Ward leading the Philadelphia Eagles, the worst receiving corps in the NFL, you're the tallest little person at the circus. Right. But somebody's got to play wide receiver for the Eagles this year, right? They're, yes. they're going to be in it's three wide receivers. Especially if Jalen Hurts isn't going to be here. All that 12 positioning that they did last year, they're probably going to do less of it this year. Right now, they don't even have yeah, well, an NFL backup tight end with any kind of experience. So someone needs to be playing wide receiver for the Eagles. They added Devonta Smith in the first round. What other great free agent acquisitions did they make? Yeah, the they have Jalen Rager. Yeah. Two, two are playing. Devontae Smith is playing and Jalen Rager is playing. Now, I'll ask you, because you're a Travis Fulgham fan, would you rather have Travis Fulgham on the field as the third receiver or Greg Ward? As of right now, it's a competition. We talk so much about competition with the Eagles at the quarterback position. They're like, I got zero problems with competition at the wide receiver position. Every single aspect of it, including the number one spot, which if I'm a betting man, I'd put good hard money down on Devonta Smith being the best wide receiver on the Eagles. Uh, but let him compete for it. Let him prove it on the field rather than just being anointed because it was the 10th pick in the draft. I'm good with oh, all He's of anointed. That. He's anointed. I, he I is get, anointed. He is. And I, I believe he will earn that anointment. And I have every faith that he's going to be their number one wide receiver. The rest of them, May the best man win. Big, yeah. small, X, Z, Challenge's going to play. Challenge's going to play. But, well, but he's anointed I say, too. I will say he he's he's got a lot more physical gifts than the rest of them. He is explosive. Uh, he is fast. Um, he did have an injury-riddled uh, season as a rookie. He's going to get every opportunity. You talked about competition. I I said it's lip service. Competition with him is lip service. He's going to play. Now, can he play himself off the field? Sure, if he's terrible. But he's going to get an opportunity to play early in the season. And just like Nick Fierro said in between our audio difficulties, I think he's going to be fine. He's too talented. I think he's going to be fine if he's healthy. So – I'm comfortable with Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager. I just need to find that third guy. I got enough bodies. You know, it might be Travis Fulgham or JJ at the X. It might be Quez Watkins um, at the slot. It might be John Hightower at the Z. I got enough bodies to say one of those guys is going to be better than Greg Ward. And if they are? I'm pretty confident in that. Right. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I think Greg Ward can make a Pro Bowl this year. I don't. I, I realize the thing that you've been saying about there are aspects to his game that don't match up with other wide receivers in the league. I fully comprehend that and understand all that. I'm just looking at the group that the Eagles have right now. Devonta Smith won a Heisman Trophy, and he was a uh, first round, high first-round draft pick. So he's got a status attached to him, even though he hasn't caught one ball yet in the National Football League. I have expectations for him. I get it that Jalen Rager was a first-round draft pick last year. I'd say his first year was underwhelming. <clears throat> and it wasn't like he was trying to break through in a group of wide receivers that were stocked. You had uh, Jalen. didn't play well. He didn't play well. Right. So he's got to show me a little something. He's got to prove it. 
Swalgum came out of nowhere to have a really good, what would you say, about a five-week period? A month. A yeah. month. And then all of a sudden he became a non-factor. That's as big a question mark from last year's Philadelphia Eagles season as any that I can remember. How did he, first of all, jump up, be as good as he was for a period of time when we didn't see it coming, and then just as easily fall off the face of the earth and disappear? Uh, so Fulgham is a major question mark for me. Watkins and Hightower, I don't know. What are they? They could be stars. They could be busts. They didn't do nearly enough for me to draw a conclusion. Greg Ward is a given. It's not a great given. The yeah. upside, we talk about this all the time. He's never going to be a pro boy. He's not going to get uh, 150 catches. Uh, but he does catch the ball when you throw it to him. And in that room with all those other guys, when the Eagles were trying to win football games, their coaching staff decided to call his number and have him out there on the field as much as they <clears> did. <throat> he did everything that was asked for him, except for maybe – getting more yards per catch. That's pretty damn low. I bet you it's one of the, of all the players who had 30 catches, 40 catches, draw the line wherever you want it, number of catches. I'll bet you his is one of the uh, smallest in the National Football League at 7.9 yards per catch. He just didn't do that. As you said, he's not as quick. He doesn't have bursts. He doesn't have acceleration the way other wide receivers do. There's something to be said to be able to come up with uh, a six-yard catch when you need five yards on third down. So I'm not writing off Greg Ward just yet. I just want to see if he can be better in the one area where I would say there was a major deficiency last year, which is yards per catch. Yeah, look, Jody, he'll have an opportunity. What I'm trying to say is if he wins the job, I think the coaching staff will be disappointed because that means the other guys haven't stepped forward. And they want other guys with more physical gifts to step forward. If they can't play, they can't play. You know, one of the things with Jalen Rager is Justin Jefferson, obviously. So he's he's going to be under that cloud for a long time. And, you know, I, some, I get this thought process that some people are thinking like, oh, if the Eagles didn't take stupidly take Jalen Rager, uh, that he would have lasted – I don't know, to 50 or 60. No, he would have went probably to New Orleans later in the first round. Worst case scenario, first couple picks in the second round. Wasn't like anybody else in this league didn't like Jalen Rager. A lot of people thought he was a very good prospect. I still think he's a very good prospect. We'll see what he can do when he's healthy. I think you're going to see a massive improvement. Um, Then it comes down, as I said, to that third receiver spot. You could look in the different directions. It could be the big guy. It could be a slot guy. You know, the whole thing about Howie Roseman last year in the draft was getting speed. The one thing Quez Watkins and John Hightower can do is run. They can run. I don't know if they can be NFL receivers, but they can run. All right. Uh, we are the Macamac guys here on Birds 365. I want to come back and ask John about what seemed to be a little bit of a hypocritical stance the new head coach was taking this uh, this past weekend in talking about uh, the ways putting his offense, implementing his offense right now, and the fact that he hasn't named a starting quarterback. We'll explain when we come back. Mac and Mac guys right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Magamag guys here on Birds 365, a kickoff the work week Monday show. Speaking of the rest of the week, you just saw the uh, uh, promotional uh, for the middle. Uh, we're going to have a couple of middle guys hop in with us this week. We're doing some crossover action with other Jacob Media Channel shows. Uh, first, we're going to have Harry Mays, my buddy HM, joining us tomorrow here on Birds 365. And then Aton John's favorite. What you guys don't know is how tight Aton and John actually are. Uh, you'll get evidence of it on the show on Wednesday. Aton's going to hop aboard with us, so that's something for you to look forward to. And tomorrow we hope to have uh, Russ Tucker, former offensive lineman, uh, contributed on the Eagles pregame shows on WIP, all-around knowledgeable football guy. Russ Tucker's going to hop aboard with us. So we got a good one planned for tomorrow. All right, last 20-some-odd minutes here today, John. Do want to get you to react to this. Nick Sirianni was certainly asked about his starting quarterback position, and there is no starting quarterback. 
I'm not naming a starting quarterback. It's competition at quarterback like every position has a competition. Goal. Competition <laughs> with the coaching staff. All right, fine, Nick. We got your drift. You're not going to name a starting quarterback. Yet he did say that it's our job as a coaching staff not to just try and put a round peg into a square hole. That our system isn't the be-all, end-all. That we're going to try and make the players fit into our system we're going to tailor our system so that it gets the most out of the attributes that our key players have, which I think is a pretty smart way of doing things. I, I do think that's the way most NFL teams should run. It should be a collaboration between the players' talents and the offensive, offensive tenants that the, and defensive tenants that the coaching staff wants to run. So I did like the answer from Nick Sirianni that, hey, <clears throat> I've got ideas. I've got my system. I'm going to make my system work because I'm that smart. He didn't go that route, which I liked. But if that's the case, if you're going to fit your system to the talents of your players, the position that probably needs more fitting is going to have more of an impact than any other position is quarterback. Well, which is it, Nick? Do you have a starting quarterback or are you not implementing your system around the talents that you have? Because if Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback, the system is going to look one way. If Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback, all oh, the system is going to look completely different. If it's a wide open competition between those two guys at quarterback, well, what system are you actually implementing? I, I think he was a little hypocritical in his stance of, uh, I don't want to name a starting quarterback. But I want to tell you that my system is going to be fit around the talents and skills of that player. How does he justify what he's doing with the QB position, both on the field and verbally? Well, a couple things, Jody. One, you know, the problem with your thesis, and there's nothing wrong with it, but the problem with it is that you're taking Nick at his word and he's not telling the truth about competition. We 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 went through that in hour one. Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback of this team until he's not. And if he's not, it's going to be about somebody like Deshaun Watson or a rookie next year that's not in the organization right now. Um, now, I will say I've heard this a million times from coaches around the NFL. We're going to do this. We're going to build around the talents of our guys. And ultimately, they default to what they want to do. My favorite example of this would be an old friend from Philadelphia, Brad Childress. Uh, when he got the head coaching job in Minnesota, Brad Johnson was was coming back. He was going to get an opportunity to start again. He was very excited about it. He went into his office with Brad Childress, Brad Childress's office. He had notebooks. Anybody who's ever known Brad, you know, very cerebral quarterback, very smart quarterback, very heady quarterback, obviously ultimately won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Also had some great, great seasons in Minnesota, Washington. Really underrated guy over the years. And his top trade, as I said, was in his intelligence. Brad Childress, who learned from one of the best ever, Andy Reid, said, you know, Brad, when you're a coach, you, you can run what you want to run. We're going to run what I want to run uh, now that I'm finally a head coach. Thought it was one of the most arrogant things I've ever had ever heard from a head coach 
uh, ultimately was not a success. He had some decent seasons, but it had more to do with Brett Favre, uh, Adrian Peterson, people like that. Um, but coaches say it all the time. You muted yourself, Jody. Coaches say it all the time. Um, I'm going to do that. Now, the positive I have for you with Nick Sirianni is, is if you look at Indianapolis and what Frank Reich and he had to go through, it was Andrew Luck, it was Jacoby Brissett, it was Phillip Rivers. Three really different skill sets. They had to rebuild the offense each year. And it was pretty successful, even with Brissett. Um, so that part I have confidence in. But the lip service is what lip service is. It's lip service. And uh, sorry, but I forgot to take my mic off mute. Um, uh, the Chili story that you told was great uh, about uh, his quarterbacks and how he handled them and the like. And his success had probably more to do with Brett Favre and his talents and skills yeah. than the great yeah. coaching that uh, Childers did. Do you think he said the same thing to Brett Favre that oh, he said no. to oh, no. Brett? Yeah, no. And by the way, Brett wasn't listening if he did. <laughs> right. Brett yeah. drove him crazy. It's always interesting with coaches. Uh, John Gruden, I often bring up in, in with Brad Johnson in the fact that, you know, he couldn't accept the Tampa Bay. The strength of that Tampa Bay team was the defense, and it was a historic defense. But they also had a really smart quarterback. Baltimore and Brian Billick, the same thing, historic defense. I uh, couldn't accept the fact that Trent Dilber couldn't move the ball. Um, you know, Brad is – you know, very. We talked about ego at the beginning with coaches. I mean, it's real. It is very real. Um, part part of the positive. I don't think you have to have a certain amount of ego to get to that point in life. So I'm not going to say Nick doesn't have an ego. You know, one of the things I always found so refreshing about Doug Peterson is the lack of ego. Right. They still have ego. It's just not as large as some other people. Um, I think that part's positive early with Nick Sirianni. I don't think he has this overbearing ego. And just uh, my take on it, and you would certainly know this better than me because you are a big guy. You're there for every single post-game <clears throat> conference and pre-game and the like. I judge, I see as many as uh, I can, but I'm not part of the process the way you are, so you probably have a better read than I do. But here's what I always thought about judging coaches and ego you judge them when it's going badly because the ego guys will find a way to rationalize or explain away shortcomings while uh, passing the buck is one way to put it, or sharing the blame would be another. Uh, that's when the ego comes out. When things are going well, smart ego guys won't be stroking their own ego. They'll just pass the credit around and, give it to others and smile as they do it and say, yeah, they all understand this is my team and I'm pulling all the strings and I'm going to get all the credit from all the people around me. I don't have to take credit for myself. But when the pressure is on, when things are going badly, when games are being lost, ego guys are ready to always share the blame. And uh, we'll find out what Nick Sirianni you is. You just went through that as a Jets fan. Adam Gase was throwing everybody under the bus oh my except God. one guy. Except one guy wouldn't throw under the bus, and that was the guy who looked at him each morning in the mirror. It was amazing that that was the case. Uh, and uh, the Jets did what they did last year. If I were the general manager, Joe Douglas, I would have fired him week three. 
I would have fired him week five. I would have fired him week seven. I would have fired him week nine, week 11, week 13. And there's so many places that he could have been fired. And they chose not to. And they held on to him for the entire season. But they did the right thing and eventually pulled the plug at the end of the year. So, yes, I'm more optimistic about my Jets coming into this year for one reason above all others. And that's because Adam Gase isn't there. But I digress. Um, Nick Sirianni coming in. To the Eagles this year, that you media guy didn't get enough of a chance to be able to ask him questions. First time ever in person, you got the chance to do that. Somebody asked him about Zach Ertz. And it, much like with the quarterback situation, uh, discretion, better part of valor, all he answered was class guy, great football player. How good has <laughs> Zach Ertz been for this organization? Wouldn't touch what is going to be his role for the Eagles in this upcoming season, whether he's going to be here or not. He just decided to heap praise on top of Zach Ertz. We've done a whole bunch of reading between the lines because you need to at this time of the year. Guys are just not going to make definitive statements. And Nick Sirianni has become pretty good at not being able to say something while saying something. You read anything into his comments about Zach Ertz at all? No, we're at, where are we, Jody? Just checking the date, May 17th. 17th. Uh, so we're two weeks away. I can guarantee he's not showing up for voluntary work. I can guarantee that. He's not coming to fill it up. He doesn't plan to be a part of this team. He doesn't want to be a part of this team. Ultimately, yes, I'd left the door open. I've said 5%, 10%. You know, the Eagles might decide. He's going to be a professional. He's going to show up for mandatory minicamp if he has to. He's going to show up for training camp. Maybe we'll let him play out the season. But I don't think that helps either side. You, We've had so many beat guys, they all say the same thing. He's not going to be here. I'm in that camp. He's not going to be here. Um, he doesn't want to be here. The Eagles have kind of moved on, but they're playing hardball. Howie Roseman has said sometimes you got to play the bad cop. They're playing the bad cop. Ultimately, I think they're budgeting with the realization that Zach isn't going to be here post June 1st. So that plays into it as well. I just don't think he's going to be here. They did sign someone uh, like within the last 24, 48 hours, a <clears throat> cornerback by the name of Nick Metters. Nate I'm, not, yeah. I'm not familiar with Nick's work. Uh, I didn't remember him seeing him on the field at any point. Uh, he was with the Vikings last year in the year before. Uh, Jaguars practice squad last year, undrafted guy who did make it onto an NFL roster and did uh, suit up for games on Sunday. I uh, don't know if there's a connection with anybody from the previous staff. I believe that uh, the Minnesota connection had been severed by that point. What can you tell me about <coughs> Nate Metters, if anything? Is he actually a guy who can compete and maybe win a job as a cornerback on this team, or is he just a body to help them get through camps? Uh, I think he's got an outside chance to be sort of a 53rd type of roster guy bottom end of the roster, special teams player. He's got some versatility as a cornerback, and he's played safety as well. Yeah, you mentioned undrafted guy coming out of UCLA, uh, made the Vikings at least a couple games, not the full season, but uh, was promoted at one point from the practice squad, was in Jacksonville as well. You mentioned no connection with Minnesota had been severed. Yeah, but Jonathan Gannon's really tight with Mike Zimmer, so 
He knows what he brings to the table. Nick Rollis was in Minnesota as well. Uh, they all know Nate. They know of Nate. So it's probably one of those things. They bring him in. They have everybody. They have Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson. Marcus Epps was from Minnesota. Um, they trust Mike Zimmer as a defensive mind, and they're bringing in a guy. But, again, it would be a, a back end of the roster type thing. Let me ask you a question, just off on a tangent after you brought up uh, Zimmer. What's your estimation of Zimmer as a head coach? Again, I will say, uh, coming up on the National Football Show today, they've got uh, Phillips coming up. Wade Phillips is going to join him, who is, for my money, one of the best defensive coordinators. Exactly. Not only in the last great defensive coordinator. Yeah. Great defensive coordinator. Mike Zimmer is a lot like Wade Phillips. A lot. Unfortunately, I, I think as a head coach, I would say he's a lot like Mr. Phillips as well, which I wasn't mean, good enough. They got him fired a bunch of times. What do you think of Zimmer as a head I coach? I think he's an above average head coach. Do you? I, yeah. I Well, I mean, he makes the playoffs generally every other year. Uh, he, he never has any consistency. He's dealt with a lot of things. I. Uh, you know, there was the one year that Adrian Peterson was on the commissioner's exemplist. You can't predict that. Um, uh, that really hurt him the one year. Tony Sperano, you remember when he passed away right before the season. That's the kind of stuff. You, can, you know, it's interesting. Mike Zimmer's, uh, you know, his mentor is Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells always tells his guys that he gives them those sort of bullet points of advice. And one of the points was, Four or five things happen every day in the NFL that you don't expect to happen. If you can't deal with it, you better get another job. Uh, that has really rung true in the bad seasons for Minnesota. I, I think he's an above-average head coach, but I think there's a ceiling there. I, I think he's got a blind spot when it comes to old-school football. He wants to run the football. He wants to play defense. He wants to play field position. I, I don't think that's the way you win in the modern NFL. So I think there's a ceiling. But as a defensive mind, Jody, yeah, that's top five in the NFL easily. Right. But I didn't ask you about defensive mind. No, I, I know. About, and I said, uh, as a coach, coach, I think I think he's limited by his philosophy. I really do. All right. And I'm trying to quickly look him up. Uh, do you think he's got an above 500 record? Oh, yeah. Well above 500. Well, as a head coach, yeah, I'll look it up real quick for you. Yeah, do that for me because, as a matter of fact, if I had to use a term to describe Mike Zimmer as a head coach, the first thing that comes to mind for me is overrated. Uh, I do not think he's a all head right. Coach. You ready, Jody? 64 47 and one, wow, 576 winning percentage, two and three in the playoffs, has won two division titles, three playoff appearances, topped out. The NFC Championship game here, which they got blown out. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good coach. Yeah, not yeah. great. But those good. those numbers are better than I uh, projected. Uh, you're right. They did make the playoffs, won a game, came here, got his rear end kicked in the championship game. Here. And remember, by the way, would you win two division titles in Aaron Rodgers NFC North? That's an accomplishment. Uh, that's true, too. Uh, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on Coach Zimmer. Maybe I need to give him a little bit more credit. I've got more slack going into this year, and that's going to be interesting uh, with uh, the way uh, they will handle Kirk Cousins. 
Uh, how many years has he got left on that deal? No, it's all guaranteed. So uh, he's, uh, he, of... he's got two more years left. Mike McCartney is Kirk Cousins' agent. Uh, man, he has done a wonderful job maximizing the earning power of Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins is another guy. I, I think he's actually an underrated quarterback. It's interesting, but he's got a ceiling. I, I think you can only go to a certain extent. And I think that kind of defines Mike Zimmer as well. So it's probably apropos that they're together. They go hand in hand, but they did draft his potential replacement in Kellen Mond this year. That is uh, just one of many quarterback situations we're going to be able to keep our eyes on. Certainly we'll have it fixed here in Philadelphia for uh, their quarterback situation with Jalen Hurts this season. Yes, uh, don't think Joe Flacco's got uh, anything to do with uh, winning that job, but uh, they're they're leaving that open as a possibility, at least verbally, uh, as John and I said way back at the beginning of the show today, or at least I didn't. I think John concurred with me. Oh, there's a competition going on this year. It's not for 2021. Jalen Hurd's going to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, health permitting, for the entire year of 2021. The competition is Jalen Hurts versus everyone else on the planet for 2022. And the Eagles will stay open to all other options, including veteran quarterbacks on other teams, including everyone who's going to be at the top of the draft board for the 2022 draft. Oh, that's where the competition's going to come in next year. Not this year. This year, it's all Jalen Hurts. And although we didn't get to see him at rookie minicamp, uh, and Nick Sirianni refused to verbally commit to him, you and I both agree. This is a foregone conclusion. He's going to start for the Eagles. Yeah, I, I've left the door open for the FU players. I call them Deshaun Watson. That's the only way the door is slut, shut on Jalen Hurts uh, this season. Very unlikely. I think the bigger question, we'll get into this, obviously, with Ross Tucker, Harry Mays tomorrow. I think the bigger question isn't about the competition, Jody. It's about can Jalen Hurts, and I've said this before, can he do anything this year? to shut down that competition. My answer to that is, I don't think he can. Well, I, I'll say that I do I do think he can, as a matter of fact, because I like the kid, and I think he can play, and I think he can be a uh, – now we're back into using our verbiage uh, on point – an above-average NFL quarterback or a right-at-average NFL quarterback if he's a below-average NFL quarterback, then guess what? Here comes the FU player. You are 100% right, McMahon. It's going to be either a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or any quarterback that can be available via trade in the NFL. Or it's going to be a first-round high draft pick who they're going to step right in. They'll call that a competition between Jalen Hurts and whoever they draft at the top of uh, the first round next year, but we'll suggest that it's not really a competition or it's only a matter of time thing that somebody's going to take over uh, for Jalen Hurts. But I do believe that that's going to happen. I happen to be a fan of his game. I think his game is going to work in the NFL. I liked him when the Eagles drafted it. I saw a lot of good things last year in the short peak we got. Yes, there were down things, but you have to grade him on a rookie curve who wasn't groomed to come in and be the quarterback. So uh, I'll cut him a little bit more slack. I think he can be a middle-of-the-road NFL quarterback with even maybe a little higher upside. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he is analyzed 
all year long because he is on the QB watch. He will be analyzed by wins and losses, what he does, how he fits with Nick Sirianni and his system. There's a lot that's going to go into it, but uh, I think the Eagles are going to give him a legit shot that this isn't just a bridge year, a foregone conclusion that somebody else is going to be there. I will say last word from me today, Jody. I will say I don't think middle of the road is good enough for the Eagles. They have always indicated the value of this position, which is a little bit interesting to me is why they've kind of gone this direction to begin with. But I don't think they think middle of the road is acceptable. So I think he's got to be better than middle of the road uh, to shut down any type of competition or shut down this team going in a different direction next season. There's certainly something we'll be talking about basically every episode on Birds 365 going through the entire year leading up to it and then the entire year as well. As uh, we've already foreshadowed, Harry May is going to join us tomorrow. Ross Tucker going to join us tomorrow. Be right back here in 22 hours for another edition of Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.